0: Hey, I'm Jeff Reid, I'm Craig Killian, and this is from First to Last podcast. <laughs> first to last podcast it's a podcast where my friend craig and i we get together each week we work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last and season eight craig we are talking all things tim burton timothy burdo and it has been a cracking season so far um We've gone from all things Pee-wee Herman yeah. to uh, then we've done, uh, what have we hit? Edward Scissorhands, Batman. Beetlejuice. Been in there. Beetlejuice. Um, when you think about it, that is a cracking first four films, including Pee-wee Herman, strangely. Um still weird. <laughs> still I, weird, man. I'm going to be honest. I've watched the film nearly three times now. Yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I... St- Still I'm still struggling to nail how I feel about Pee-Wee Herman as a character, but the film itself Is really great. Actually, we'll have to ask Blake
1: what his opinion. Yes, I was going to say
0: before we get too deep into this, let's introduce our guest. He's returned after last season. We had such a great chat around all things Michael Mann's Heat. Yep, it's Mr. Blake Howard. He is a host, producer of all things One Heat Minute's his big one, but he's also got the Zodiac Chronicles out there, which was an absolute banger of a podcast. Thank you, mate. Uh, And uh, all things One Heat Minute Productions
2: now. Like, how you been since we last seen you? Really good. Since I last saw you, there was no not a sequel to Heat in any medium, <laughs> and now there is. Yeah, um, there's Michael Mann is shooting a film again, which is exciting. Yes, um, and yeah, you guys are doing some really rad films. I love. I love Tim Burton's Batman Returns even more than the original Batman. So when you guys were like talking about Burton, I was like, it's fun and. I'm sorry to say this, but Tim Burton is a, he's amazing films. Like are all happening now. You guys have got a tough hang oh. coming up in the later p- parts of the film, so I'm so glad that I get to jump on board early and oh no. and then maybe and then maybe check in back with you in his later films and go. Oh, you guys are just going to be pulling your hair out. Like, what went wrong, Tim? What oh. went wrong? So, uh, so I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. We found that with a couple of again. dudes. Hey, we We've,
0: we actually find that a lot of those directors. It's almost like Craig made a really great point a couple of weeks ago, which is like the Tarantino theory of once you get past your 10th 10th film, that really it starts sliding downhill yeah. And when we start looking at your directors Like Yuzemeckis Who still does quality films But definitely nowhere near the quality That he
1: was producing I don't remember his um, last really good quality film Was Contact? I mean, not Contact um, oh. Denzel Washington, I've forgotten Flight Flight, Flight would probably yeah, be the, fl-
2: But, like, I would even say that Flight While it was entertaining Contact was just oh. spe- Contact is a special film I think yeah. it's one that Oh, stack yeah. of people watched, but and like and then contacts in this grand scheme of Zemeckis is like dwarfed by. I mean, Who Frame Roger Rabbit is oh, must-see, isn't it? And, <laughs> like, it's <laughs> absolutely must-see. It's like one of the best noir detective like films ever and it's got cartoon characters all riddled through it. Like it's a, it's a really special film and obviously the back to the futures and cast away. Yeah. And and, you know, like it's, he's got an amazing resume. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that, yeah. Some of these later ones, you're just like, I never thought I would say like, have you seen the latest Bob Zemeckis movie? I'm like, no, I'm good. (laughs) But, but but i really like that. I'm like, "Mm, no, I'm I'm okay. Well, it's
0: the same with a few of our directors. Like, like, um, you know, Ron Howard's a great example. You mm. know, like
2: Howard's he's films. A, he's a mixed bag. Is he? Because he... you get, I don't know, there's some weak ones in there, but um, the, oh, my God, I've just lost the name of it, but it's the the one about Nixon. Oh, Frost, Frost Nixon. Nixon is incredible. That is an absolute slice of perfection for me isn't like, it i love that movie like a total banger yeah right in my wheelhouse all the kind of guys that I like watching their films um you know give me any movie that has kevin bacon and oliver platt in it but like it's just yeah it's a banger right yeah it's, uh, and so he's a funny one because some films are kind of lower tier um and then other ones he kind of does really well and i've heard that the latest film again i just haven't had it this is one i'm keen to see but I haven't had a chance he did the the sort of the Thai uh rescue yep. uh, film oh, because yeah. there was the documentary and then there was the film and i just haven't had a chance to watch it because it's on uh i think it's on prime yeah, on amazon was. prime prime yeah haven't had a, had a, uh, had a chance to, um to check it out but yeah no i'm he's a he's a fun one i think it's just like as soon as he gets the right material he can be a really fascinating director but Tarantino also after that 10 films thing he did a great interview with the ringer podcast network talking about Tony Scott's last film, which is unstoppable. Oh, and, I love that he, film, Blake. And he's, and he said, I love it too. I think it's one of the leanest, meanest, terrific films you'll yep. ever see. And he was just like, Tony Scott is one of those rare guys that no matter what anyone can say, whether you like the, you know, that you say that some of the quality of his films fluctuate, he can say that his last film, cause obviously he tragically passed away. Yeah. Um, his last film is maybe one of his best. Like he went out on such an immense high that it's yeah. like really, you know, it's 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 really hard to even match, I think.
0: I also like Tony Scott's been on our short list for quite like a number of discussions. We've really wanted to do Tony Scott. because 'cause I'm a big fan of taking a um Pelham one, two, three as well. Like yes. Denzel Washington in that is so darn good.
1: Um but yeah, far out. All right, so here's the question who's still hitting it? After Oof. at least ten films, Signor Spielbergo. Ooh, his yeah. new ones come out. That'd I'm be interesting so excited to see. for. Fablements. I haven't watched
2: West Side Story. Oh, uh, West Side Story is terrific. Is absolutely it absolutely wonderful? So yeah, he still is. I know, uh, really. Yeah, um, I think Clint, Clint, for the longest time, and he'd made, I don't know how many films Clint made, but he was, you know, he was still absolutely getting it. I mean, Scorsese still making amazing films. It's, it is rare though. Like, yeah, it's all about material. I think it's about material and it's about, you know, the, the amount of cash that you get. And it's, it's also yeah, like, sure. like the kind of, and it's also, do you have the edge? Do you still want to tell really dynamic and, you know, stretch themselves? I think some directors turn into like workmen. Sometimes they become, yeah. they become like mavericks and then they're like, eh, I'm kind of done. Um, so, you know, it's really turns It turns into a
1: job for them instead of an art. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, like, uh, Oh my God, I've just forgotten his name. I'm going to have to, this is, you know, this is live podcast. Music. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, so there's an amazing filmmaker who uh, directed a film. Well, well, one of the first films that he directed, his name is James Foley. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot James Foley. Isn't it? So James Foley directed like films back in 1986, one called At Close Range. Yep. Absolutely terrific film. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, yeah, well, After my Dark, My Sweet. And he went off and did a few episodes of House of Cards and stuff like later on in his career, a few episodes of Billions. But like in his early career, you look at what he directed and you're like, oh my God, this guy was directing some real bangers. And then you look at his later career and 2017 and 2018, he directed Fifty Shades Darker and then Fifty Shades Freed. And you're like... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah james James Foley huh he needed some cash uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I don't know it's look it's really it's immensely hard to do to be. remain fresh. Yep. it's immensely hard to, and and um you know, I would say with Burton there was like for me it kind of fluctuated, but you've also got in the future you've got Frank and Weenie to look forward to, which is a very excited for that legendary film, great film.
0: Yeah, yeah we, we're big fans as well of Dark Shadows, so uh, yes. we're really looking Dark forward Shadows. to that one. Uh, but we haven't – we're yet to have uh, hit Big Eyes before, um, you know, with Christoph Waltz and Amy Adams. Uh, Miss Peregrine's, I was a bit sort of, you know, um it was okay. Agree.
1: She can just really but, do anything. I'll just watch her. But, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> funny. I'm oh, a big Penny Dreadful fan, man. I just, yeah. I just watch her. In, I, I, but I can watch her in anything. She just has – She's the one of the most bravest actresses ever lived.
0: Well, there's that real draw to her, isn't there? Brave. Like whenever she's on the screen, like you are, there's a magnetism you're drawn to her very, very easily. Mm. Um, just going back on that whole directors hitting the. I know we're digressing a
1: little bit, but it's just an awesome movie we don't chat. Get, we don't get. But, um, pe- People of Blake's calibre. obviously Not Popcorn Podcast. Stop Stop that. Stop (laughs) it. We love Lee
2: and Tim. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop it, please, for the love of
1: God. He's doing a hand gesture. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. No, no, not the oh, stop. Just stop, please.
2: I I, I know where I come from. I know where I come from. (laughs) He's a man of the people.
0: (laughs) I love it. Uh, But we're in a funny time where the the streaming services are, are becoming bona fide studios, you would say, these days. So, you you know, yeah. Netflix has a uh, a storeroom of incredible talent on the books. But what we're actually finding when Craig and I have sat down and watched, say, you know, uh, Hillbilly Elegy from Ron Howard is a really great example. Mm. Um, The material is very solid. You could read the – reading the book by J.D. Vance, you know, you go, there's an Oscar-winning performance in here for sure uh, for one or two people. So you could see why Ron Howard gets excited for it. But we've discovered when people say like – you know, maybe even Zack Snyder is a great example with the Justice League uh, film is there comes a time and actually his, uh, what was the Dawn of the Dead sequel that he did, uh, Army of the Dead. Oh, yes. Yeah. Snyder's Army of the Dead for Netflix. Netflix have give such freedom creatively to some of their talent that it's almost as if you're just like, maybe there needed to be a little bit more constriction because unbridled directors yeah. seem to, no matter at what stage of their career, just... Creative freedom is by no means a positive thing sometimes. Does that make uh, sense, Blake?
2: Yeah, yeah, like film, film's a really interesting medium, right? It's, it's, there are some engines, auteur kind of engines, why auteur theorists go berserk. If you don't know what that is, it's basically just, it's like, it's the French word for author, which is bestowed upon filmmakers who seem to be the singular creative visionary behind their texts. Right. Yeah. And so this is where I get, you know, this is where I can kind of see it two ways. The first way is get someone like Michael Mann. I had a, we had a great, I uh, had a great conversation on a recent podcast one of our podcasts with, um, a, a guy, uh, who had been to Rome to see the pre-production of Ferrari and Michael Mann is famous, even his assistant Justin Lieberman, who he spoke to on another show, was telling us like when he goes to a place, say it's like Miami or wherever for to shoot Miami Vice or LA and collateral if he's got his home offices, they just turn a whole floor of a building into a giant like mood board. The walls are lined with set photography, designs. Every room is a new part. It's costume. It's then, you know, locations. It's then an editing suite. It's then this, it's then that. And he just, he is the orchestrator. He walks around and meets them all and they all work together and they collaborate. And it's like a hive mind of creative people who work together frequently to kind of make things happen. When you get filmmakers like that or someone like a Tarantino who again has this incredible suite of people that work with him, same cinematographers, usually the same editors, usually the same costume designers, location scouts, you name it, researchers. Fincher does this too. You name it. There are those folks who are like engines, but there are also what people don't realize is when you say like you get the finance for a movie and there are producers involved who are, who have invested in it. Yeah. They're amazing collaborators and (laughs) editors are amazing collaborators. They're great sounding boards to go not too far. No, this sucks. No, this is better. And you know, and I think you have to have a level of humility and have a creative crew that kind of says best idea wins when you play yeah, and with Netflix, even I was. It was funny. Like Jason Blum is a guy I was lucky enough to speak to fairly recently, and I was talking to him about bloated documentary series, um, <laughs> th- th- that you find on Netflix, like twelve episodes, and he's like, most of these could just be two hours of one documentary. <laughs> oh, incredibly, <laughs> it's so true. Like, and, probably not even and, that. And, yeah, he's like two hours, and and we were talking about when he goes, he goes, I will not shoot a script for Blumhouse that's more than a hundred and two pages. Wow. I just will not shoot a script that's longer than that. And so there's your beautiful 90, you know, 90 to 100-minute movies that exist yep. because he's like, I want them to be able to tell a story. I want to be able to keep the budgets under, you know, in, our, in our wheelhouse so that we've got control. But with those constraints, we're not saying make a bad movie and we're not saying we won't give notes or give feedback. We ultimately give our directors final cut, but we push them to get the best product. And so I think the kind of proves in the pudding that you kind of do need some, some kind of lane. You need yes. something.
1: I think boundaries create innovation. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. And and obviously the best example for that is Jaws. You know what I mean? Like you know, there's the boundaries created the suspense, obviously, of the shark. Yeah. yeah. Poor Brucey. <laughs> poor Brucey yeah, poor just Brucey, died. Man. Poor <laughs> Brucey in the water just died. Yeah. But imagine if we saw too much of the shark. Oh. You know what I mean? Imagine if it was part it's of every.
2: That. It's every
1: other movie after
2: Jaws. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Because because that that's you know they didn't. They weren't constrained. They're like, oh, people want to see more sharks. It's like, "Mm,
1: did we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's like with the prequel thing where you just go, oh, I didn't really need to know that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't care anymore. I don't care. That's how I know I'm old. I'm like I don't care. I
1: don't
0: <laughs> care about
2: any of these people. I don't care where they came from. I like things that end. Yeah. Uh, I like the mystery
1: behind it. Yeah. Yeah, so I like
2: good. things I like things that end. I, I don't need I can't TV people people you TV guys out there listeners. Much love to you, right? All the respect in the world. But when someone's like, Blake, would you like to watch 24 episodes of a season that are 40 minutes each and there's seven seasons to catch up on this show that I like so that we can share it? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I have so <laughs> many films to watch. Uh, there are so many like countries of movies I haven't seen. And it's just like, no, there's just no way. I, 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 <laughs> the quality long- level... Only so much you can watch.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. we're, we're in a content age, aren't we? It's like it's so much that you can get your hands on so easily. But I think it's really hard. Like um, we like, I work in a semi-heavy job. Blake, so at night time, uh, dark things are not the greatest thing to, to watch because I'm, I just need to switch off and just be nice and light and fluffy sometimes, you know. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> so for, for me, the, the pitfall of that is if I watch a sitcom such as, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is probably a, a bit of an example of how it can be done well, but you yeah. start to happy learn. Happy
2: Endings. Have you ever seen Happy Endings? No. Okay. That's one. It's a banger. Okay. Absolute banger. I'll Seek put it, it on out. my list. Yes. Seek it out. That that one at least I would say 20 minutes. You want to turn something on that's silly, ridiculous, farcical, absolutely consumable. Happy Endings, I do actually know where it is. Yes. Um, Jeff, so it's it's on Apple TV right now. I doesn't, it doesn't look like it's on many Australian services other than Apple TV, but if for anyone who's listening, you want to show you haven't seen. Actually, for you Marvel fans, I know you guys have got some comic book movie fans, the Russo Brothers... Yeah, um, um, cut their teeth directing some episodes of Happy Endings oh, as well. Oh,
0: love it! Awesome. I'm going to
2: check that out for sure.
0: I loved their work on Community.
2: That's Community, oh, I yeah, and yeah. they jumped out. there in Happy Endings too. Um, did so they do yeah, a little bit of Arrested
0: Development work? I think they did a little bit on Arrested Development in sure. early days. I, I'm
2: not sure. I'm not sure later late Arrested Development, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them. I yeah, have yeah. done it. Um, I do love, that's probably a nice little segue, our chat uh, before this
0: about uh, creative freedom and where people sort of go in their career because uh, we're talking this week Batman Returns with Blake and the journey for Burton is really quite interesting because uh, what I do in this, Blake, is as we're going through the season, I actually don't do any research to the next film. So basically we get this sort of bubble of information yeah. They could seem quite happy and, <laughs> and, and nice as people are doing press and it's not until afterwards that you discover that maybe the film wasn't the experience that they painted in the press junket, no. as can like, often be the case. Don't worry, unless, darling. Unless, <laughs> yeah, unless you're Olivia Wilde where it all plays out in real time for the world to, to see going on. But um, so
1: It's good content.
0: <laughs> oh, it is good content a, you know, yep.
1: I, won't, I won't even lie I watched it He never spat on him uh-huh. <laughs> I,
0: Do you know If well, there's if there's one thing in He all did this- But
2: he did But we're just going to have to agree to disagree 100% spat on him <laughs> do you You're just not saying You're not seeing be- good enough footage If you didn't think he spat on him You're not seeing good enough Chris footage Chris Pine's reaction in that no, Shows you, that
0: something horrible look He's habit. looking
2: for his glasses Nah Chris Pine's looking for Craig,
0: his glasses Come on no. The look on his face Craig, is Craig, literally Is it true
2: Craig, he spat on him. Yeah, 100%. He spat and, on and, him. And, and and also I mean this just shows me you may never have been around the dirt bags that I've been around. Like, I, you know, you're on, you know, I played footy when I was a younger guy. I played footy when I was a younger guy. You know how many times your mates like just spit on you on a team bus or something like that, oh, or someone yeah. like, like just dirt bags. And that he, he's a, he's a young Brit. He has a lot of peacocking and posturing and he's very popular, yep. but he's also a diva. Like he, you know, he's, it's just all a big act and maybe he was a bit frustrated and he just acted like a brace, bat straight in his lap. <laughs> it's pretty, <laughs> Watch again, not my Harry. And just watch Chris Pine's <laughs> face,
0: because Chris Pine literally takes a moment where he takes a sharp breath and he's like, "It's not worth me doing something," and that's yeah. when he chucks the sun he's on. And, um, and
2: that, and that's a moment that in your life, <laughs> I know it's a nexus point, right? But it's like. There's nothing more I would have wished than him to just take a warm open hand and <laughs> slap, him in, <laughs> slap him over the seats in front of him
3: oh, and man. then
2: walk out and go, you deal with it. He uh, spat on me, see ya. Because I may not have I, – I I implore
1: his decorum in that uh, respect. Oh, man. And look, if, if – Based on what you guys are saying, if he did spit on him, then man, he's the most patient dude in the world, Chris Pine. the uh, internet's
2: favorite. He's the internet's favorite Chris for a reason.
0: Uh, it, he and he's slowly morphing into Brad Pitt. Uh, we when, didn't <laughs> when see him at the moment, but Chris Pine, like Craig and I, got to meet him for the Star Trek World Premiere years oh, amazing. ago, amazing. and um, he was just like. We met he and Zachary Quinto in a room together, and Chris Pine did all the talk. Zachary Quinto did all the eating of the fruit platter next to us, and uh, he was so charming, wasn't he? Yeah, he was great. Chris Pine was awesome to deal with. Big fan of his. Yeah, Yeah. me too, man. Me too. Um, Really love him in Carnahan's Smoking Aces. Far out. I love him in that movie. (laughs) Um, But talking Batman Returns. So, as I've discovered, Blake, is that the journey for the 89 Batman was far from an easy journey for Burton as a director. Um, it actually became this thing, and we talked about it in our previous episode where we sort of pull the film apart and really dive into it, but uh, it actually ended up with things like the script wasn't completed once they started shooting, um, and there were all sorts of dramas going on, to which at this point in his career, Burton actually sees Batman as the only film he really disliked oh, really? and and so um which gets to the point where he's sort of developed at this point in his career he's starting to get his roster of people who he wants to work with you know he's now teaming up with Bo welch who's starting to bring that very signature feel to the burton movies um and uh, production designer Bo welch that is and He's working with producers that he's really quite familiar with, giving him a bit more creative freedom. So the idea of getting back to Batman Returns was not a super positive one for him. He actually sort of dodged it as much as he could uh, in the lead-up to it. And Sam Hamm, who wrote the film, the 89 film, did a script which, you know – Burton really didn't enjoy too much. And he brings in a, another gentleman uh, by the name of Daniel Waters, who Daniel Waters at that stage had written Heathers,
2: yeah, I was going to say Daniel Waters oh. of Heather's fame.
0: Yes, and he goes on to do the Ford Fairlane movie. Uh, <laughs> the Ford Fairlane he movie. Also Adventures, did. Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, very uh,
2: hard to get you access to that bad boy. I've,
0: <laughs> I've very got, it, hard. I've got hey, it on DVD. Craig let me the DVD recently, so uh, it's, it's, it, was, it was, was a good I was a big watch. fan of his as a comedian.
1: Uh, he also... He also <laughs> but he's
0: gotten wild in his old days now. Oh, yeah, poor old Andrew Dice. Um, oh, man. Hudson Hawk he wrote... And Demolition Man, which, like, as time's gone on, Demolition Man has become this quite a cult film and uh, really sort of people love that movie. So, really... Uh, he comes on board. But what he starts to bring to the film is he focuses in on Catwoman as as a a character and the the introduction of Catwoman into the film really brings something that Burton goes, hang on, I love this person. And then the penguin arrives and he's like, oh, wow, here are my people. And I guess from the moment that the film starts right, it's very clearly we're now swimming in Burton's pool,
2: aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, I, I... I think Burton got one really lucky break. Like he did Batman. And then I think based on the time that I filmed, he does Batman and then he dips out and does Edward Scissorhands. Yep. And the scale of like the highest grossing movie of the year, then to like, give me just a micro budget to go make this little passion project. Yep. Which also is immensely popular, like an, <laughs> an immediate cult hit. Yep. And then they're like, oh, we need to do more Batman because also the thing that we also might forget these days because now we know that things leak from theaters to streaming or direct to streaming is that, like, it had a massive life of, of its own in 89 on, in cinemas and then it had theatrical runs and then it was, like, on Betamax and eventually VHS. <laughs> yeah. And so then it makes home video money and it goes absolutely bananas. And then every kid in the world is buying Batman paraphernalia again and it's just, it's just an engine that is making so much money that they're like – they're like, if we don't make another one of these, we're just like insane. We have to make another one. <laughs> yeah. So they they start developing it. They don't even have Keaton yet. They may not get him. They're not sure if they're going to get him. They don't have anyone. Um. And so, yeah, like he gets it. And I just think that the thing that I get, I'm an immense Batman fan. Like, um, <laughs> bona fides, I'll just put up up front. I have three Batman tattoos. I um I have named my son Keaton. Wow. wow. And I have a tattoo on my forearm of Michael Keaton at the beginning of Batman Returns where he stands up and the bat bat signals behind him because yes. I got that as as a as a um in honor of not only this film but the name that I bestowed to my son. Um and so I'm a man's fan of but I can't watch 89 Batman anymore. And I can't watch Batman Returns. I don't, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I know there's people out there, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Um, And I can't really watch Batman and Robin. Do love the Dark Knight trilogy. Love them, of course. Um, And I actually have like an immense fondness for Dark Knight Rises. Maybe it might be my favorite just because of the handicap of No Heath Ledger. But Batman Returns does something so clearly, I think. And this is what Burton sort of un- understood is that like, Batman villains are awesome because they're ultimately the fr- fractured reflections of him. Yeah. Yep. And usually creatives put them at a distance. And I think in the very best Batman movies, that distance is closed between them. Right. So like that great line from the Joker is like, you and me, we're just like, we're just the same. We're just the same. Forget about all these other people. Like this is a <laughs> oh, game yeah. for us to play. You know, we're better than them in the dark night. And I think Burton's Batman sets that as a template of, like, it's only one push. Like, Batman is ultimately an orphan and decides to use his immense wealth to exact vigilante justice by beating the living shit out of everyone in Gotham City (laughs) um, who would step out of line of the police. And Oswald Cobblepot's the same. Like, for reputation and for status, they abandon their child. And, like, he's an orphan and he... He amasses immense power and wants to exact control and control Gotham City, even in his own way. And, and then, you know, an accident with Selina Kyle um, gives a kind of, I don't know, like a strange supernatural power, but it's the same, the same impulses. And Catwoman and Batman's closeness in this movie and Penguin and Batman's closeness in this movie, it's, it's so beautiful. This is like the universal movie monster Batman it's everything's like allegorical, metaphorical, beautiful, grotesque, it's just horny, it's just there's just nothing <laughs> like it in almost the entire c- canon of comic book movies and I think that I think that they just get something in this movie that makes it endlessly rewatchable and simply yep. stunning to look at, yeah, has so many quotable lines, has so many iconic performances and it's a very sophisticated, you know. Even though people are like, "Oh, Batman takes a bit of a backseat," it's like, no. What you're actually seeing right. when you're seeing these dark reflections, of these other people, is a guy. Really, they're just a reflection of his own weird kind of borderline psychosis. I just can't. I can't get enough of this movie. Guys. I think I can't I, get enough of it. <laughs> it's
1: amazing because it 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 it, it brings out um. It obviously brings out um, Burton's signature and all that as well but it beautifully it beautifully shows Batman's psychotic world so and it's funny you, you you hear about it in other ones about um you know Batman's presence being an escalation in itself and these guys are all built just you know they they all just start to ro- rotate around Batman but uh, they're just I was so impressed watching this one again <laughs> that I basically came out of it going, man, that's one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen in my easy. life. It's and, easy. So and, it and, down. and it's amazing that you could actually say, like, you know, with a movie with Michael Keaton and Christopher Walken, that you say, yeah. hey, you know what? Michelle Pfeiffer is gonna out, is going to outshine – Pretty much, he's going to outwalk and And so is Danny yeah. DeVito. And so is Danny DeVito. And and also like the fact that um and I, I'm probably sure we'll talk about it later about with Michelle Pfeiffer, how much her character inspires not just other Catwoman characters because I think the Catwoman characters after this are, are almost non-existent. Yeah, but other female um, superhero characters oh. like there's so much Harley Quinn here. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like her manic, like when they're dancing when they find... I love... That's one of my favourite scenes ever. When they find out under the mistletoe and oh. they find out who each other is and they stand back and she's so beautiful. She goes, does this mean we have to fight?
2: Love <laughs> you know, it. Do we just I start fighting? Her,
1: but they're also, you know, it's she's so manic in that scene. You yep. see a person struggling who's just... Like, everybody in this, like you said, everybody in this film is fractured. Everyone in this film, let's be honest, have mental health issues. Uh, You know what I mean? And it's all... Gotham's Gotham's mental health system is severely underdone. Usually
2: they're they're donating money to power uh, power plants that suck the power out of the city to store it, to sell it at a later date instead of mental health issues, but... (laughs) But but that's but that's also it Cotton's onto something, and it does. It's not explicit in it, and I think you're you're pretty right there, um, Craig. Is that that the existence of a Batman, and this is where no- I think Nolan really Cottons onto this too, is like. Yeah. The existence of a Batman also inspires other mad people because he's a bit mad, like to yeah. get on a bat suit and beat people up like a vigilante. To do to use his theatricality in the same way as him, and that it's not as explicit as the Joker going, "I, you know, basically I saw you do it, how you did it," and these you know dress up Batman that are coming around, etc. Um, but it's it's in this it's like. It's 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 almost like of course there are other weird people that are going to appear because if you have a city that's guarded by a guy who dresses like a bat at <laughs> night that no one knows, weird shit is going on in this place. One hundred percent. And and that's I just yeah th- this is this movie is and like sometimes you even forget you're like watching you're like oh my god Christopher Walken is in this yeah and like, totally he's, he's like and and even the I've, I've there's some really great recent pieces it's obviously had a um. A fairly recent anniversary, so there's been lots of, like, really great writing about Batman Returns in the last couple of years. Um, But I really loved a couple that were talking about, like, how prescient it is. Like, at the time, I remember you watched this movie, like, way back when you'd see the Penguin on TV running for mayor, and you're like, "Well, this is so ridiculous. Isn't the comic book movie funny? (laughs) And now you're like, I've seen Politicians... Like, talk less coherently than the penguin. Um, yeah. So, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and Max Schreck as Donald Trump and his son, yeah, you know, like all very that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so, like, it's, it's rendered with such, ca- in a cartoonish way, but it's a scary cartoon. Like, if you look at Tim Burton's actual artwork that he does, it's like, it's always this, like, really dark, moving, uh, evocative stuff and so even when he creates cartoons they're always freaky and yeah um and it's it's uh, yeah this <laughs> but, this it just rules
1: it's so true like you know like and it goes back to you know i guess we do see the escalation now yeah all you need mm. and and I don't know, yeah, it's horrible to compare um donald trump to batman but <laughs> you bring a character up it brings other characters up with them yep. yeah yeah you know what 100%. i mean and it, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it and it it just it, it it raises up people of similar mindset and and look every and it's one of those things that are, that are in the comic books batman comic books all the time it's that batman exists on a line of fucking thin line Occam's razor type line where he could have gone the other way and everybody wants to go oh yeah he could go there but like and it's and that's what it's like, you know. And like you're saying, the comparison between him and these other um, villains in it is only it was only just a simple choice between Batman and he would have been these villains. It's very true. It's very and
2: true. also I love in the Burton movies. This is a lot of this is what you kind of skip past when you're a kid. You just like misremember it on yeah. purpose or whatever. It's just yeah. like the first movie, Batman throws guys off buildings. Yeah. And 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 like and in and, and in this movie, like I mean it's really cool because the car turns around, but like he sets like a guy who blows a flame at him on fire, fire. <laughs> and then just drives away. <laughs> like, good luck, you know, like
1: see you in the emergency room. He like, is hardcore. Like he's obviously ruthless. the dynamite. But one yeah. thing that shook me is when he first fights Catwoman, she sticks him with one of those little pins. And he just backhands her off the building. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. It's like she falls into the kitty litter, you know, saved by kitty yeah. litter. But Batman never stopped to watch where she <laughs> fell. He's never uh, like. But, also, but there's an even funnier
2: line there, Craig. There's a funnier line. It's just like when Albert goes, uh, Alfred goes, yeah, Alfred, can I have some, you know, stuff to stitch myself up? And he's like, Are you in pain, sir? And he goes, No. And it's like, this guy's. Is- this guy's just been stabbed and yeah. it, like it doesn't hurt. Like the pain, don't, pain don't hurt. Like it's he, he's, there is something. And he's broken. He Yeah. And I think that Keaton's performance is so great Yeah, because he has to be the anchor. He couldn't be like psycho Ooh. crazy Batman in this. He's totally the foil, but it's all, re, it's all this like harmony, right? It's like just yes. like a great band Love where there's it. like someone harmonizing with that. He's the harmony. It's mm. a tuning fork, this thing with those performances and they're just so great. And it's just DeVito. It was funny, good content for the internet. Danny DeVito had to take a lie detector test on some late night show. And they said, <laughs> who's, he, who's, who's, um, whose penguin is better. Um, uh, yours or Colin Farrell's. And he goes mine. And then he looks over the the lie detector guy and goes, was I lying? And they go, no. And he goes, see, <laughs> cause I love Colin. I love him, but it wasn't as good as mine. And you know what? He's right. Like, His commitment to that performance and to totally doing this wild, freakish, you know, just terrifying. just standard potato of a person. He's terrifying. And and I think, I truly think it would be hard if you were saying like the top five performances in any comic book movie or any kind of like supernatural kind of movie. It's like, I, I would say that like Pfeiffer's up there. Like I think better. I think almost Pfeiffer would be better than Jack in the first Batman. I think I she's do. up there in the Heath echelon. Like, like I don't, I don't know many other performances in a comic book movie that I would hold in such high esteem as Pfeiffer or as Catwoman. Like, it was the role that like broke her for oh, years massively, um, and in the in the nicest possible way because she was just synonymous. But it's just like I've, I just love how this movie has is, is just aged. Like a fine wine. It just gets better with every
1: year. And I watch it now every Christmas because it's also a great Christmas Yes, I love it. Pfeiffer's eyes, that's what shook me in this movie. Like her eyes, you could... And I'd never... Look, I always know she was an actress, but you never knew how well she suited this role. And the turmoil, you could see it. I didn't realise she had so much shade to her. All I guess was all the time I watched it as a kid, one... I just didn't understand. And then when I got older, I was just horny. And so now as an older man, I you can act- have all those I can feelings see that. together. And, <laughs> and I can see shade. Worse. I can see shade now. I you can go, see oh. emotions.
2: You can still feel horny. You yeah, can feel exactly. sad. And yep. that's what being an adult is
1: all about. Kids, you get to feel all these things <laughs> all together. Things followed by what all, what all good Batman films have, shame. It's like, yes. an abandonment. And it's abandonment like the
0: anti. The it's an anti Pixar movie. <laughs> um, hey, can I share a little memory of this film? So, do. so Blake, this is actually my very first cinema going memory that I have. Uh, I'm sure that I'd been before, but uh, my my nana, who sadly passed recently, uh, took me in a school holidays to see any movie that I wanted to see. Bless which, her heart. makes Bat- you rest in peace. Batman, yeah, oh, 100%. Batman Returns, we went to Faze Twin Cinema in Tari. <laughs> of course. And they they still have the little paper ticket stubs that they rip, uh, the perforated ones, you know, those little sort of old school ones. But I remember we got into that first opening scene where the dudes are riding their motorbikes out with their skull helmets, which is so great, those googly eyes that are going off in those helmets but i remember she's watching this going oh this seems a bit violent and then the moment comes where uh you know you meet the penguin and he's just constantly got that stream of like Ooze Black, yeah, yeah. coming ooze. out of his mouth. And I remember she chumps, he chumps down on Christopher Walken's nose, and she turns and says, This is most definitely not a children's movie. <laughs> and it just stuck in my mind. Oh, when mind. he chumps on that guy's
1: nose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burton throws in a good squirt. Oh, good <laughs> squirt. that is a damn but good a, squirt.
2: It's a good squirt, but it's also like, this is, Um, I don't know if you and your fans. Uh, like massive physical media nuts, I'm just going to lean away from my microphone for just a second. Do it. Um, I'm a massive physical media nut, Blake. So okay, so I've got I've owned this movie in almost every iteration that you can get it, and if any of your friends, uh, any of the the friends that are now listening um, to the show, and you love physical media, um, the 4K. Blu ray of Batman returns, even if you because you can, I think you can buy a 4K pack where there's a whole bunch of the Burton and then the Schumacher Batmans together. Wicked. Um, but if you just do what I wanted to do, because I'm like, I've got them in so many goddamn iterations, I just wanted one of them. <laughs> um, and you guys gave me a great excuse to upgrade this one, um, uh, straight away. <laughs> oh, so, um, uh, You're welcome. so I, I. <laughs> Any excuse. I told my wife, <laughs> "Thank you." Uh, I wasn't in trouble for this upgrade, um, unlike all of the other ones. Um, but, um, but I, I, I watched it, and my friend, um, my friend Garth Franklin, great Aussie movie journalist, Um, I Love was talking Garth. to him, and I said, and he, he goes, "I said oh, I just got the new Batman Returns 4K, and he's like, honestly, it is one of the most spellbinding transfers." He goes because, as you were just talking about. Burton's world that he creates is so tactile. Like he creates these mammoth sets and they all are draped in such beautiful detail. And the lighting is so particular that this transfer is wild. Like it's amazing. So sometimes you're upgrading, you're like, "Eh, was that that much better than Blu-ray? But this truly was like, staggeringly good and one of the things was exactly as you were just talking about with the penguin biting that guy's nose is just the consistent black ooze (laughs) that comes out (laughs) of his mouth is so vivid that it's like the grotesque of this movie is is exponential like her lipstick just everything it's so amazing and so crisp so if you're a big physical media head and you love this movie and i imagine if you're listening to us carry on you might um and you haven't upgraded yet like do yourself a favor like it's amazing Amazing.
0: love it i definitely will i do yeah craig's on the 4k train i'm yet to get there i know it's a it's a rabbit hole that once i go down blake it's going to be big trouble oh my god you know what i'm saying yeah we'll 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 give you a 4k
2: player I've got one. I
1: need a TV to compliment that, great.
2: We'll talk talk about, I mean, I'm sure offline we'll be texting each other. But um, (laughs) but yeah, like once you go down the rabbit hole of certain things, you just like, they do change your life. And then other transfers, this is also when you're a bit of a, a real physical media nerd, you're like, that wasn't that good. Like yeah. that transfer stunk and you then have to buy a second version of the 4K that gets... Yeah. Anyway. They but you never submit that to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you go, never. yeah, yeah, it's great, man. It's great. Never. Oh,
1: really? You you bought it second? Yeah, yeah. Look, it looks great. Look, look, look at that bit there. Look, see? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> look, um, it's, I have this problem. You
2: guys spoke about Michael Mann. It's like, how many versions of Michael Mann movies do I have? <laughs> like all of them. Like every one of them. <laughs> DVD. I've got the Blu-ray. I've got the 4Ks if they've got 4Ks. I've got it all. Love it's gonna it. Have it.
1: Everyone needs a vice, man.
2: That's right. That's exactly
0: right. Hey, I love, Blake, you mentioned before the, um, the harmony that the, the characters have together. Mm. And I think we really have to, it's very understated in this film at the ability of Burton and probably Daniel Walters to, to, a, to an extent, um, is able to balance because you can't dance around the fact there are three villains in this film. Operating yes. all together and at no point does this become a sloppy mess yeah, like blinded. we've seen in so many superhero films where there are too many villain cooks in the kitchen, you know, and it becomes this hodgepodge. Um, and on top of that, there was at one point they actually hired and did costume fittings to have a Dick Grayson slash Robin in the film. Yeah. Which which was to be played by Marlon Wayans. Um oh! Oh, this now, is because you
1: said Marlon Wayans earlier. I'm yes. Like, what the hell does a Wayans brother got to do with it, well, man? I don't know if you remember, Craig, but we got to be present, Blake, for
0: the G.I. Joe uh, press junket when that happened all those years I ago. I think we
2: might have just missed each other in the halls of whatever hotel that was in. <laughs> oh, the, the,
0: speedboat. Uh, the speedboat. Yeah, they came on the speedboat and it was down at the Rocks. And uh, Marlon Wayans actually, during that press conference, talked about Batman Returns. And so he was like, his I believe his statement was somewhere along the lines of yeah and they still pay me royalties to the date and (laughs) Wayans I found in a bit of my research was actually his people I would say his agent is very savvy and made sure there was a clause in there to say that even if Wayans got fired from the film he would still be paid as if he was a cast member that featured on the screen and so uh, Wayans is actually listed in the film credits Oh wow. As, I've never noticed that. As Robin. And um and what? he's he's also um I'd love to see some like test footage of him in costume just to see what it looked like. I'm I'm very glad he's not in there because I don't know how that would play out. You would assume he was going to be some form of comedic relief. Well, uh yeah, at... I
2: uh I think I mean look, he's a funny dude. He's a funny dude, so I would imagine um I would imagine that I would imagine that he definitely was out there. I think I've seen, I want to say I've seen concept art. Oh, wow. I want to I've seen concept, wow. there's, a, there's concept art of it somewhere. I believe it's on horseback in one of the Gotham squares. I think that wow. um, there's a, there's an, a great, a great Aussie resource. Um, Ryan Unicum, um, who is an internet buddy. We have some really close mutual friends um, is, a, you know, a short filmmaker and he's a, a like a great he's a great sort of uh archivist of like movie stuff especially in the superhero genre that weren't made and i think i've seen him tweet about it i might tr- see if i can find it and send it to you guys oh, after. that'd so be great, mate. i'll see, see if i can find it but yeah so you know fascinating but this you know what's great is burton was like i think they wanted to stuff robin in there they were just like robin 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 he has to be here and i think yeah with burton he was just like tonally where he was going what actually excited him was going down into more of the psychology of Batman using these other characters. And he was just like, if there's just this offsider who's being funny, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to work with what I'm ultimately trying to do. And I think you just said as well, Jeff, there was that cool thing where... Um, where... You said the villains work so well, the three villains, because it's yes. also Shrek plus the you yeah know, the penguin and Catwoman, but it's, it works so well because they're backstabbing each other. Shrek wants Oswald to win so that he ultimately makes himself more money. He wants to use him as a puppet. Yeah. Oswald wants to play puppet so that Shrek can put him in power and he can gain and the ma- the maximum uh, amount of vengeance on the city ultimately. Catwoman wants to work with the penguin to get Batman, but she also wants to kill Shrek. So it's this great, like (laughs) it's a powder keg of betrayal. Like you just know something's going to go wrong. And so that's, what's actually fascinating about it is because it's not just how does Batman stop this, you know, this team up that is also very harmonious or very, you know, all all working together. It's funner because they want to kill each other And, 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 and Catwoman's disturbed and, and, and like, you know, uh, Like, sort of feels grossed out by the penguin, and the penguin's horny for her, and he just wants to keep her in a cage, just like that little bird in his room, you know? So, and so it's, it's got, it's, yeah, it's, it's just
1: wonderful. It's,
2: it's got a great, it just all works so beautifully.
1: But I think Burton does well, and I guess, obviously, like you're saying, the script writer, uh, screenwriter does well in the fact that he gives Penguin and Catwoman just those beautiful moments together. Yeah. Instead of just like, you know, that whole moment on the bed and everything, you know, with the cat <laughs> yeah. and everything like that, it's it is it's horny, it's gross, um, but you see so much of their Orny. character.
2: Horny does win I'm sorry No,
1: no I, I, know, I know it does Yeah uh, but Horny like, wins in that moment It is gross just, But god damn it Is it
2: horny Holy I shit. know exactly <laughs> But you know he,
1: I don't know if I could do it watch, With the penguin watching <laughs> Even That's, the true test. That's the unless true he, test Unless like he said He gives her the flipper Oh, <laughs> uh, oh god, Which is one of the things You just go Oh my god Did he just say yeah, that Yeah I know I know <laughs> And he does that like That whew. flipper thing yeah, with his hand And you just go Wow so did he gross. really say that No um, But, like, given them that time where I guess some places would just have them meet up in a dark place and and plot, 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 it actually builds these characters into more than just, you know, like you usually see is the cardboard cutouts. And it's just – it's ridiculous – but it's brilliant, like eating a bird. Suddenly her cat shows up. So she brought a cat with her, did she? You know, and, and, and cats and are attracted to her. Yeah, Like exactly. the whole question Just
2: of a supernatural element which has never preexisted in yeah. the comics. Again, is that yeah. that's his that's his flavor. That's the Burton flavor. That's the touch. Um, Loved it. I I was re-watching. There's a terrific if you do get the new Batman, There's a great documentary, um, ongoing documentary series about all the Burton and Schumacher Batman's called Shadow of the Bat, and it goes in multiple parts. There's a great one about the making of Batman. It features Jack, features Keaton, features... Um, uh, also features Sean Young, because then she lost the part out to Kim Basinger, yep. and then, you know, then they um, talk about that as well. But on the, on the second one, obviously, Batman Returns, which is what we're talking about, it continues. And um, there was, like, two things. One, when we talk about casting, Sean Young... Um, oh, she was please. meant to play Vicky Vale. So Sean Young, if you don't know who she is, she plays... Um, she plays... The original uh, Dune. Well, yeah, <laughs> she's in Blade she, Runner, she, she, isn't she? She's in Blade Runner, yes, and she's also in Ace Ventura. If there are fans of Ace Ventura yes. out there, um, <laughs> basically reprising her role from the Crying Game. Yeah. Um, uh, so I forgot you know, about she, that. <laughs> she's terrific. So she I just love,
1: just love it. I love that. That's one of my favorite movies. That Ace Ventura. Yeah, Ace Ventura rules, right? I yeah. Know, oh, yeah but, like... um,
2: uh, so Finkel, what she does because she was injured, She she was injured before she could play the role. Yeah. She decided that because Catwoman was coming up for this, she actually dressed as Catwoman and like went into the production offices when they're in development of this movie and kicked the door in and was like, Wow, like I'm Catwoman, sort of Huney Raw. <laughs> and they like looked at her, they're like completely dumbfounded. And then obviously she didn't get cast, right, in the movie. But it became this Hollywood lore of like Sean Young was a little bit Unhinged, a little bit crazy, or maybe just like insanely committed, either or. But she so <laughs> wanted to be part of this franchise that she even like put her humiliation on the line. And actually, like, at the time I heard about it, I always thought it was pretty wacky. But now I'm like, man, how ballsy is that? Like, it you is herself in a situation to be unforgettable. And she totally did that. But so she went on TV as well. Yeah, in I the, think she lobbied pretty outfit. hard
1: for it. Yeah, she was lobbying really yeah, hard. Yeah, she was a brave man. You got to admit, that's brave.
2: Brave, <laughs> right? Because, you, you know, we all. Even on the small bit that we've had behind the scenes, especially junkets and the selling of movies, like it's very tenuous you've there's a lot of reputational stuff that has to go yep. on so like just to have the stones to do that and it be publicized and become law, I think that's crazy and um
1: especially women also, in
2: that time, you know you didn't have oh, to fight, you have to fight <laughs> of course, and also um uh, um oh my God, Annette Benning was originally government, yeah, yeah. Oh, and she even. There's even masks that they made, like models of her head and everything. Like, yeah, like was not it? She has a beautiful. I think she feminine, got pregnant, um, and and that's she why did. she had to give up she has the a beautiful the role.
1: feline look.
2: Yeah, she does. You could totally picture her doing it, couldn't you? Yeah. Totally cast models, everything, and Burton said it was one of the most joyful and a call that was like sent him into the abyss at the same time because she called up and there was a big pregnant pause, and she was like, "I'm pregnant," and he's like, "Like, I'm so happy for you and Warren, and that's great, but." Also, it sucks for my movie. And then they ultimately picked out Michelle Pfeiffer, which is amazing. So, Thank you, movie God. gods. How much? Yeah.
1: How many problems has Warren Beatty's dick caused in Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, okay, he's even that's getting a-, a song about him. <laughs> now, that's a
2: fun one for first to last. Man. Oh, yeah. Hey, that would be a fun yes, one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hey, anything to just revisit uh, Dick Tracy again. Dick Tracy. Yeah, Reds. You oh, guys have fun it. with that one. Yeah. Um, but... There was one really cool tidbit as well that I was doing just researching to come and chat to you guys is, um, you would notice, I think the m- most recent comic book movie that I can remember there's actually two, but it's really overt in one is, um, Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh, I really love it. go... Goes out of its way yep. to try and create comic book panels and have this very yep. visual style. Even Thor, um, the original one from Ken, when Ken Branagh was directing, lots of Dutch angles yep. and stuff like trying to create comic book panels out of all the, the you know stylistically try and give you a feel of a comic book, yep. even though obviously the content is wildly different. Um, when it comes to Thor, the film because that you know he's stuck within the constraints of um the Marvel universe, but the, oh, the cinematic universe that is. But they said that. Burton was a weird director. He, even his editors said it was quite weird and his cinematographers is because for movie, like if you're a movie nerd, you'll know this, but I'll kind of explain it for those who are a bit casual movie fans. It's like when you shoot any shot, like say like a cool explosion or whatever, usually you get, they want to maximize their coverage, right? Mm, and yep. if I say coverage, what it means is they're shooting with sometimes four or five, six cameras for these big action shots because what they want to do is some angles, you know, if it's an explosion or if it's like a cool action set piece, Hmm. one angle looks better than the other and it just gives you more options and in particular your editor, more options when they're editing to go, okay, well, this looks slightly better. If we look at this angle, it's better on this shot, this shot, this shot. But what they said with Burton is, especially back then, is he would like ask them to set a shot and just shoot it from like one angle and then they go to another setup and shoot it from another angle or like get little coverage, like two or three shots or maybe two max. And they'd be like, if we don't have it in this shot, we don't have it. You know what I mean? Like, so they have to get the shot. And then their editor was saying that like when they get the stuff back to the editing suite, he, it, there's no flexibility really with the way that it can be edited. In the end, it's like animation. Yeah, there's one way that it can be cut together. And so that sometimes they don't actually know what they've got until they've got it, right? Like, so it comes together and they're like, oh, actually, wow, the the flow of it actually does work because in his head, he's piecing it together like an animation. Animation. Love it.
0: We actually talked about this in our intro episode, too, Blake, because Burton was like the second person uh, accepted into CalArts in their animation program. And the alumni that he worked with, and the it was really fascinating to start thinking, you know, when you think of like your Andrew Stanton's, your Brad Birds and all these people who've dabbled in live action and yes. have been very verbal in their in their press around, wow, animation really set me up for filmmaking challenges as opposed to like you would think oh wow they're going to storyboard everything and then just get in there and do it but often the animators found themselves in spaces where they were like oh that's all right you know like we're going to do this 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 and it'll work and then people like well actually we'd like to be a bit more flexible and try things and cover things from all sorts of angles and you know so it's almost like the rigidity they learn in animation sort of can undo
2: some of that filmmaking uh process so yeah it's 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 just a learning curve right because yeah. you you know you, it's like it's like getting an amazing guitarist like just absolutely unbelievable and go cool he's a violin <laughs> like uh i kind of get the gist but i've never done it this way before you know um brad bird you said there's a great other you know because i'm a fan of Podcasts like yourselves and and, yeah. and things like that. There's a great Mission Impossible podcast. I'm really friendly with the guys at Light the Fuse. They're terrific. So good. Um, they recently had their 200th episode that had Tom Cruise and Chris McCoy on it, which is insane. Wow. That is insane. Yeah, so really great. But they talked about with Brad Bird. Uh, they talked to Brad Bird a couple of times, actually. They did a, an extended episode that's got a long interview with Brad. And um, one of the things that they've learned about it was when Brad Bird was there, he, he had that same thought. Well, to get this shot of Tom... And then we'll cut this angle, and then maybe we can, you know, we'll animate, you know, this part of a person here, so that we don't have to pick up that shot. And as you would expect with someone like Tom Cruise, he's <laughs> like, he's like, no, Brad, that's me. There's no animated me. That's all me. So if you want me to do it, it's me. Like, you know, if we're going on the Burj, I'm I'm on a wire, running Ooh, and doing yeah. all these jumps on the Burj. And so for him, he just always knew that, like. Any pickup that he needed, reference angle, you know, to reorient the audience to make sure the action geography of the scene was going to work, you have to change because there are physical limit, like the the physics, the literal <laughs> physics of the limitations <laughs> of human human beings. Yeah, you you can dance around them if you use special effects and things like that, but like you know, I think once it once you jump, it's you're you're limited to getting the shot like you've got to get it it has to be in the camera and like now it's much easier obviously but um unless you work with tom cruise but um (laughs) it's 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 that's the kind of the kind of great thing that uh that he had to learn on on that film love it do
0: you do you guys think um there was notoriously to be a third
1: installment to burton's
0: batman films
1: Yes, um, and uh, I, I don't do, know nothing about this. So you guys, uh, will have so to it shoot was me
0: called up. Batman. Continues was to be the title. Oh, really? That's um, horrible. Really? The, yep, Batman continues. Um, we'll just and, say that's a working title. And so again, <laughs> they were going to have Marlon Wayans appear in that film. Uh, obviously, the the role gets recast uh, once Burton leaves the project. And really. Post Batman Returns, the film itself caused a massive stir with both the studio and the uh, the the merchandisers, I guess you could call them. Uh, in particular, McDonald's. Now, uh, oh. <laughs> now McDonald's, upon seeing the finished film, were actually outraged. And Burton talks about this really in the Burton on Burton book, which is a fantastic read, Blake. If you uh, have, a- I, haven't any. It, I haven't seen it any spare time to just sit down and read a book in the mad life you leave, uh, you lead. Uh, but he talks about the fact that there was a meeting with McDonald's and they were furious because, uh, as you mentioned about the 89 Batman, it became such a merchandise money spinner that McDonald's were really planning to market hard and do their, their sort of kids' meals and toys and all these uh, tie-in things. And they felt that they couldn't do that to the extent that they hoped for because we have a film that is quite horny, as we've mentioned. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, The Penguin in particular was so grotesque. They did. They just knew that this wasn't to be a family film. So when we get to the conversations around what would be the third installment into Burton's Batman a pseudo trilogy, I guess you could call it, uh, the idea of having to tone down instead of escalating the world that Burton's created leads Burton to leave. Um, but the idea was Billy D. Williams was to return and become... To come back uh, as Two-Face. As Two-Face. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, the film would centre around Catwoman returning as well and sort of pursue that love interest between her and Bruce Wayne, that will they, won't they. And also there was to be the Riddler in the film, Uh and it's uh rumored that they'd lined up Robin Williams to play the Riddler. Uh
2: yeah, that I've re- I've heard about this, um, not the details that you've talked about so far, but about Robin Williams and the Riddler, because he was like a front runner for the Joker as oh, well. And so when he didn't get the Joker, there was always a big there was a quite a big backlash at the time with him and Warner brothers, because essentially I think that they'd almost promised him the role at some point of the development. Uh, and eventually yeah, wow. by the time that Jack came on, it was like, oh, well it's Jack, right? It's yeah. like, it's <laughs> something different <laughs> again, you know? And and so, yeah, I think that they, they'd kind of burned a bridge there and I think they were trying to placate him by giving him the Riddler at, at one point in time. Um, but yeah, no, my biggest thing also is like at that time, I don't even think they had Keaton signed on. I don't think Keaton was even signed on for, because he had to be convinced yeah, to do wow. it with, with returns. And I think he maybe would have come back with Tim again, but even Burton talks about when the film came out, it like split people down the middle. Like, you know, I remember being a yeah. kid and not liking it as much as the first one. And, you know, being right on the Batman forever, you know, train, as soon as that came out, like, Oh, it's much more like the Batman that I want it kind of Batman that I want to see. Um, but, then all of those become disposable on reflection. And you're like, no, what I actually (laughs) wanted was this. This like weird, dark, grotesque kind of monster movie version of Batman. That's the Mm. kind of wheelhouse. And that's the other tragedy about that recently cancelled Batgirl movie is that you're like, they'd filmed big chunks of the movie with Michael Keaton as Batman and now that doesn't exist. It's just like, there's more Michael Keaton Batman out there. We have to wait for the Flash movie if Ezra Miller... Decides so to stop beating people up in the street in whatever country oh, town he's in, uh, but uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's um, yeah, there's more Michael Keaton Batman that exists, and it's just like oh, I would I would yearn for that. I can't wait
1: to see that.
0: Did I, I hear right as well that uh, Keaton was meant to appear in the new Aquaman movie, and they've replaced him with uh, Ben Affleck? Did I hear that no? Right? Ben Affleck is in the. Is in the Aquaman. Is in the Aquaman. Movie. Okay, interesting. Oh, it's meant no, to be no, the last. I think, I
2: think, no, I think you might be right. I don't know. Look, yeah, we can't go down this rabbit hole because who knows what the hell is going on with Warner Brothers right now? Nah. Like, we don't. We have no clue. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. All I say is I feel sorry for him. Uh, I do, man. I don't, I don't know do. if Warner Brothers know what they're doing. I don't. Oh, I feel sorry for the actors and the creators. Yeah, but yeah, multi-na- exactly. Multinational companies.
1: I'm like. No, no. I
2: just you're you're, just you're you're about to dig your own grave. It's gonna happen. Like, yeah, it's, the you know, actors, world where man.
1: Just DC. I want DC. You know, I just, i you know, I just but, want them all to do well.
2: But Craig, Craig, this is what we got to remember. This is what all the Marvel <laughs> fans don't want to hear. Is like maybe four of the five best comic book movies ever are all DC movies. It's a valid oh, look, point. That's, that's it's true. A, it's, a valid it's, point. It's, it's undisputed. It's undisputed. It's like that's you, true. It, if you say Dark Knight, let's just say Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Some people say Dark Knight, Batman Begins, whatever the case may be. You've got one of those, maybe two, that are almost in the top five. Then you've got Batman yep. Returns. You've got Superman the movie. And then yep. you've got a You got to throw a Spider-Man in there. And if it was me, I'd say like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He's probably my favorite oh, Spider-Man so movie. It's It's such a great film. Endlessly rewatchable, amazing. But maybe like Spider Man Two, you get the Raimi Spider Man Yeah, in there. Raimi's and then like is great. The entire MCU, it's like, so what? Like Captain America: The First Avenger, maybe? Like that's probably r- real close. Which is like essentially, if we could add the Rocketeer, we'd probably throw the Rocketeer in there. You know, yeah. and then it's got it's got <laughs> yeah. a battle with Billy Zane's The Phantom. I mean, they're not even close. They're not even close to how cool no. some of those movies <laughs> no. are. You know, it's 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 a completely different ball
1: game. So but it's, that's, uh, I guess, that's why I want DC to do well, because they've got that potential. You know what I mean? They've got that ability yeah. to do it. And I always liked the fact that they weren't Marvel, okay? Because I'm a huge, I love Marvel. I'm a huge Marvel fan. I am biased in the world of Marvel. Um, but I still have the Superman tattoo on my arm. Yes, you do. Superman is, I still have all my characters are on my shelves are all Superman, because I just fucking love Superman as a symbol and as, a, as just archetype, which is Superman and Batman, the two greatest archetypes that you could basically say. Um, yeah, the, they've got the Holy Trinity. They've got Wonder exactly. Woman. And Batman and, yeah. and Superman. It's just like... It, That's why I know, want bit, DC to do well. That's yeah, but also that,
2: well. again, this is what... Um, this is the mastery of Batman Returns to get back to the film. is like, it's, yeah. mytho- it's almost mythological right? Like that's the point. It's mythological. It's almost mythological. It's supernatural. It's got these elements that like, a uh, and, and the great thing about the Burton ones particularly is that they're kind of, they're not 1990s Gotham city or they are sort of, but not everything kind of looks like the fifties. It's exactly what the Bruce, yeah. the, the wonderful Bruce, Tim Batman, the animated series did. Like they kind of feel like yeah. they're out of time. And so they have this, you know, um, they have this like really timeless quality instantaneously because you're not wedded to like, you know, technology or dumb references or cameos or any of that sort of stuff. They just kind of like pop in and they're just there. Like, you know, that's the kind of, um, that's a challenge for so many different franchises and series because they're kind of like moving along with the technology or whatever the case may be. But like, this is an out of time movie. Like it's completely out of time. And I think that that's, they, they haven't really, you know, and the probably the best parts of, you know, the original wonder woman recent, which is quite good. You know, like um the best parts of that is like, again, it's a throwback. It's a war, it's a world war I, you know, world war two yes. movie or world war one movie or whatever it is at the same time as it's a, a wonder woman movie. And, you know, so you can get the mascara and world war two at the same time. So yeah, it's, 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 I think it's kind of fascinating that, but it'll come back. It, it, it'll it come, it'll come back around. These things get reinvented. um And yeah, like it's, but, you know, sorry, it wasn't the, with all due respect um, to the Batman, which everyone uh, has just forgotten um, because it had such a cultural impact this year. Um, and uh, I'll say I was on the right side of the argument with that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it's just, they get reinvented. They're just mythological characters. They'll come back and, it you know, but it's all right. We're lucky. We got ours. Like We got a Burton Batman and we got Nolan and we got, you know, we got... yeah. Two Richard Donner Supermans, and we, and we got a Sam Raimi Spider Man, and you know, yeah, we we can, you know, let the let the kids now. We argue. live in a lucky time. We we we're lucky, right? And now these kids today, they've got to like, they've got to watch, She Hulk twerking, and that's got to be their superhero. And like, more power to <laughs> you, dude. Have it. Love it's it. It's yours. I don't want any part Love of it, it, but it's it's yours. Love it.
0: It's um, I love that you talk about Raimi's Spider-Man too, though, Blake, because really, like, he really is a bit of an unsung hero in what is today's superhero genre. You know, if you think about Burton's Batman really sets up, like, we were astounded watching the 89 Batman. One, how camp it was compared to what our memory was of the 89 Burton. Uh, but when you get to Batman Returns, he's really showing, you know, Everyone talks about, oh, superheroes became so gritty. You know, DC Comics, so gritty, so gritty is always the word. But really, Burton is the, the
2: leader of that. You, yeah. you know, like
0: he creates think, this
2: dark world. I think the Batman Returns and Spider-Man 2 have a lot in common because that's the great yes. thing about Doc Rock in that movie is because they've got this relationship, at, like as a mentor, father, you know, pr- pr- uh, proto-father, mentor-student relationship and then he, you know, he's taken over by his power. Like his power is that these this great technology that he has ultimately corrupts him and then, you know, chain you know, breaks his brain. And 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 so it's it's then Peter trying to rescue him. And it's, you know, it's much more of that paternal sort of relationship, but it also has that like heart that the kind of Batman and Catwoman relationship has. Cause you you know, the hero is trying to save the villain from themselves. And and yeah. so that's why people I, I think people still can watch that movie. And it resonates resonates really, really, really strongly for them because that yeah because of that relationship and I, I you know that that's undeniable. I just think that Tobey Maguire has the personality of a shoe. So um, <laughs> yeah, you know when I think of Spider Man, he has a pers- Spider Man has a personality. Um, well, that's and why Andrew Garfield was so
0: great when he came. Along, I like right? Andrew Garfield. Feel-
2: He's weird. He's weird. Yeah. And again, that even though people hated that Amazing Spider Man too. Again, it's these mythical supernatural. Yep. Totally. weird characters that are expressions of the turmoil that's happening in Peter's life. And they're very funny and they're very kind of weird and they're dark and it's kind of horrific and it's got a very monstery feel to it. And I, I, yeah. I that's a movie that I'll defend as well. I, I really enjoy that film even more. I hate, yeah. I hate the first one because it's just like <sighs> Sam Raimi's Spider-Man take two. Um, yeah. But the second one allows itself to become its own thing, even though it's got some, kind of naff, world-building, trying to create 25 franchises out of a movie, but, I, but it has yes, hard.
1: I think this is what attracts us to these characters, especially, especially saying, obviously, we're talking, obviously, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, is that these are awkward characters who are able to put on these masks or cape or whatever you want to do, and they become these confident characters. Yeah. And they're able to go out and be brave in spite of... Almost been this awkward sense of fear in a normal life. You know what I mean? Like and that's what was good about that's what that's what I love about this Batman. I love that um you know I love that Michael Keaton is just like he's Bruce Wayne. He's he's just sort of what he's just an awkward dude. Yes. He's not ridiculously awkward, he's not like, you know, um fall over flat, you know, like you know, bumbling Clark Kent type awkward. No, but he's just this guy who comes across as, yeah, I don't get out much.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't know how to, my my friend, my friend Walter Chor wrote this great piece about Batman Returns. And he said that he, and this is what cracked me up when I read it. He goes, my favorite part of the movie is when Bruce takes a sip of the soup. He goes, it's cold. (laughs) And he goes, oh, it's Vicious or whatever it's called. Like it's Vicious Like It's like, I'm probably, butchering the pronunciation. So apologies to any culinary people out there, but <laughs> it's meant to be a cold soup. And he goes, Oh, and he just keeps eating. <laughs> like, like this guy doesn't know how to function in the world. Like no. he doesn't know what it, it, he just goes, Oh, it's food and it's not right. And then the, like his dad being Alfred, his only connection to kind of acting like a normal human being is like, no, it's meant to be like that. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then he yeah. just keeps, and, and I love that. Bruce Wayne, because that's the, you know, there's certain ways to play Bruce Wayne that are great, wonderful, you know, Adam West has a great Bruce Wayne versus Batman and, and Ben Affleck is a, you know, but Bale has it too. Ben Affleck's terrific um, as Bruce Wayne because he's more of like a pervy playboy, you know, um, living the big nightlife Bruce Wayne and has a bit of that dirt bag, more of like that outward dirt bag Bruce Wayne. Um, But Keaton has... Keaton expresses his Bruce Wayne through this guy who like literally does, is not a great communicator with people, says things that are way too forthright. He yep. says, you know, has reactions that are quite batty, like threatens to bash the Joker <laughs> in the head with a fire poker. Like that's the yeah. kind of like nutbag <laughs> that he is. And it's that like wild unpredictability. And the fact that the, the surface He's so close to the wild vigilante that's behind the mask as well. I think is so special because all these things, all these expressions of Batman, some people say they play it as three characters. There's like the Bruce Wayne who is Batman and like a detective. And then there's the Batman that's in the mask. That's a little bit more wild. And then there's the like floppish weird Bruce Wayne who just like acts a fool around the place and like a drunken rich boy. Yeah. But I love the distance and it's not like a, you know, put guy liner on and then for no reason at all, like um destroy a beautiful room in your house in the contemporary Batman where you spray paint a mural <laughs> on your floor, bullshit. Like it's, yeah. it's a guy who's just got a, a close distance to the surface between what him and Batman is. And Bruce, if anything, Bruce Wayne's the mask. Like that's yeah. what's the mask in this movie. It's like Selena. Like when Selena's got the hair and she's pretending to be all Sassy molasses and stuff. That's not who Selena is after she is resurrected in this movie. And Oswald is not the guy who's in the suit and the top hat and being the penguin. He's the guy in the disgusting, soiled one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, that's what's special so about this movie. It is. It's,
0: but it's very, it's very much like um, our, our knowledge so far of Burton. That's how Burton sees himself. Yes. you know, like Burton himself, he creates these characters that all have a facade they put on. You know, like uh, Pee-wee Herman's a great example. You know, like he's yeah. the the character of Pee-wee is just like this. It is this mask, and you have Beetlejuice, where Keaton is just like for all fifteen minutes that he appears in that movie <laughs> is is like so amazing in that. And again, Depp as as Edward Scissorhands, he allows these people to absolutely be transformed by the costume they wear. And yeah. I think that actually is where Burton sees himself. You know, maybe his filmmaking, and this is me probably just thinking aloud, but his filmmaking is that costume that he gets to put on and hide from that weird um, outcast that lived in suburbia, probably scared of the sun and, you know, as we learnt, hid in the cupboards with his bleeding wisdom teeth around the, the halls of Cal Arts. you know. Um
1: Fell asleep in cupboards. And,
0: yeah, fell asleep in cupboards. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Burton himself, I really see, see like, all five of his films so far is about people who are uncomfortable in themselves and then have these characters that they personify to become super versions of themselves, you know. and And I just love the way that, you know, Burton really lives out
1: his fantasy selves
0: <laughs> in all these
1: in oh, all these films. I love how he hates the. I love how he he's not hates. Uh, I love his disdain for what we would call the normal. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, and you all, see that but strong in here cynicism. as well. Yeah, yes.
2: cynicism. It's like all this normal's an act too. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. That's, that's what I love about him. All the normal's an act. You know who's telling the truth? The weird guy who dresses like a bat. Yeah. Like he's telling the truth. Like when Oswald is all clean and nice in this movie, that's the act. Like that's yeah. I think that that's what he's. He, you know, there's that great underpinning of like you know all the normalcy and all the cordiality and all that stuff is an act. Like people don't want people don't want to be seen as, um, like completely different or railing against society in any way, because sometimes it's easier if you conform to hide because it's a, it's like a mass performance. It's a collective performance. And so he has these weird people who he just doesn't let them hide. Like Edward Scissorhands is a perfect example. It's like, yep. this guy has scissors for hands. It's hard for this guy to <laughs> touch anything. Right. He can't, you know, he, he can't even touch things without it, you know, causing some kind of drama or a potential hurt. So it's like, that's it. That's that kind of um, way that he goes about it. His expression is just like he gets people to kind of wear their weirdness on their sleeve, and and I and this is just such a delightfully weird, you know, expression. Yeah, and uh, it's a great time in his career. It is.
0: It is. It's very exciting. It's an exciting time. We have talked about, Blake, I love it. We've touched on Ramy a few times and we've joked through the season that Sam Ramy could possibly be Tim Burton's next-door neighbour. They sort of, <laughs> you know, Burton is very much, um, there's parallels with Ramy all through his films, you know. And um, I love, recently I saw on Twitter that you checked out a work print uh, of uh, Hard Target. Uh, yeah, which which is the John Woo film, which is notoriously rumoured to have been ghost directed by Mr Sam Raimi. Um, really? Yes. So the we found out. So we did a a mini episode for our Sam Raimi season where they talked about John Wu was making. I th- I believe it is his first uh, English speaking film. It is. Um, and so the studio were really concerned with what they were seeing from Woo and the way that the the crew were talking about Wu's directing. So they brought in Sam Raimi. At the time who was working, I think he was working on Dark Man, yeah, around, yeah. The, around the same time. And so they brought in Sam Raimi to sort of oversee what John Wu was doing, which is in, incredible to think that you know, <laughs> crazy. Uh, a young Sam
2: Raimi is overseeing John Wu. Um, it, and Sam it, Raimi's so nice and buttoned down, he's a sweetie pie. Like, if you see all of his crazy and perverted, disgusting, great horror movies, you're like, Oh, who could this guy be? And you see an interviewed, <laughs> and he's just an absolute. All of a human yeah. being, a little guy wearing a suit his sweetheart. Yeah, yep. you
1: expect a Tim Burton looking like character, because when you see Tim Burton you go, yeah, that's the fucking makes guy sense. I thought. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it makes
2: <laughs> total sense. So, But
0: supposedly, Raimi himself got on set and was just like, I don't know what people's problem is with this guy. He's like a, a, an awesome director, let's just let him roll. But there's supposedly moments all through that that are actually directed by Sam Raimi. So maybe he worked as a bit of second unit, I don't know, but I was hoping oh, maybe the work print it, showed he? a little Raimi. I, Ted sorry. is in Ted
2: is in the film. Yeah, Ted, Ted Ray is in the is film. film. Yeah, Ted, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I saw the work print. Um, it was quite fascinating. It's like a proper work print. It's got time codes and all. Um, one of my friends, uh, uh internet boffin, shall we say, has a couple of like very rare things that are hard to get. Love it. Um, on, on on anything. So I checked out. I checked it out, and it's it's much more languid and like takes its time. Interesting. And is slower, and it, it takes its time, at, in a in a way that like, and it's so kind of bizarre because you don't have nearly as much music in the work print, so it's like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem to have this like, um almost like uh what is it like, hillbilly kind of rocky kind of like <laughs> tones in the score that kind yeah. of and like the 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 faster cutting I think is one of the things to give it some percussiveness when there's the chases, but he was just really keen on like keeping this like very steady, slow going tone, but it's all patently ridiculous. So it's kind mm-hmm. of this weird, super weird feeling to watch hard Target Cause I remember it being a super fast movie. When I watched the work him, I'm like, God, this thing go like it goes, it's really taking it. So it thinks it's this big, proper Norlands thing. Like it's, um, it, but, but rather than that, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's really bizarre. It's uh, it's it's one of the, one of the more bizarre movies. But uh, you know, it still has all of the Jean Claude Van Damme great moves in slow motion that you could yes. ever have. So it has really the special. splits, doesn't it? He does. Oh, do splits, know? roundhouse kicks. He punches a snake. Yes, he grabs arrows. that
1: snake. Oh, yes. I just, it's weird that is that today in my feed it popped up. Um, him and Dolph Lundgren doing the push pushing each other during the Universal Soldier uh, (laughs) promotions. Remember, I was on the red carpet. I was going, that is so fake.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But also, what a time to be alive. Oh, it was yeah. a great time. I loved Universal Soldier, what man. A, what a time to be alive! And I you loved how it.
1: cranky they were on Entertainment Tonight. Oh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren! Uh, Dolph Lundgren! They, and she they Club tapped
0: into damn. that
1: perfectly because when we got the Expendables, we were like,
0: "Yes, they're all back together again." I love it, and they're it's friends. It's like a night out.
2: Of, it's like a night out in '93 at Planet Hollywood in Sydney, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, love just, it. Oh, Planet Hollywood! you see Hollywood. they finally
1: got rid of that thing at the top of the roof of Plant Hollywood?
2: I did. That's a tragedy mm. on George Street. Did they? Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. Oh. So it was. It, it was. It turned into. A, it was a Scientology ad on the front of it, but behind it was a was a club. Wasn't it a club?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, I think. I mm. think at one time in my dirtbag youth. I yeah, same. Like That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking dirtbag years too. Yeah, I, I remember a lot
1: back. of black, like matte black.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot of matte black on the walls yeah. and red from memory. And mm. what I would just say is...
1: And me going, oh, if you're listening shame.
2: And you're in a, if you're listening and you're in Australia and you have Planet Hollywood paraphernalia kicking around, just reach out to the three of us on Twitter. <laughs> we just want to know what you've got. <laughs> yeah. Love it so know, much. If we want to know... Like, I could do with some more memorabilia in my office from Planet Hollywood. Oh, I love it.
0: I love it. Yeah, my dream, Blake, was to one day, because I remember going there and being so blown away that there was that little cinema off to the back. You yeah. remember there was a little, little cinema? Cigarette. So yeah. I was like, one day I'm going to like have a night where everyone eats together and we go watch a movie at Planet Hollywood. It's just going to be the best night ever. Sadly, that won't ever happen. foiled. Like, uh, yeah, broiled. I know, I know. Time was not kind. I love it so much. Hey, Blake, we've had such an awesome chat around this film. Before we wrap things up, is there anything we want to cover in case we've missed it? No. No? Loved it. Loved it? Great chat. No.
1: Fantastic. So, hey, one thing.
0: I'll put something on the social media. You've got to check out. I discovered this this morning that... Michael Keaton was actually wearing custom modified uh, Air Jordans for his Batman suit in Batman That's Returns. Serious? Uh, I took a screenshot so I could save it, but you got to check it out. He, so his shoes are actually Air Jordans that have then had like all the plates put <laughs> all over it. So
2: I'll pop something up there so you can check it How out. It was, Nike
1: not released that.
2: I know, oh my I know. God. Right? I'm I I've started to turn into a bit of a sneakerhead and I'm going to look for these. Oh, my God. the a single shoe sold on eBay for $8,100 American oh very recently. Geez. So, wow. There Wowza. you go. There
0: you go. Check that out for all the sneakerheads out there. So, Blake, where can we find you and what amazingness have you got dropping for the world to hear soon?
2: Oh my God. Uh, you can find me at One Blake Minute, um, which is uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find uh, the podcasts that we do. Uh, everything's at uh, dot com. And uh, what's happening now, I've got a, basically a series in the can that's waiting on one Russell Crowe called Podcaster and Commander. Oh, uh, I'm uh, so bitches. excited! Which is just, uh, you know, waiting to be done, basically. I've done a stack of episodes for that. I've got a few more to do. We're doing a Heat uh, 2 book club miniseries coming up very soon, which is going to be super fun. Love it. And um, other than that, physical media show uh, with uh, Lexi Toliopoulos called Blues Brothers and Miami Nice with Katie Walsh and all of our other stuff on One Heat Minute at Patreon. So, yeah, lots of shows, lots of stuff coming up. And I honestly, after that, have freaking no clue what's going on because just like I do with all of my projects... It has to be something that is completely organically I'm obsessed with. So um, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Got a couple of other things thinking about conceptualizing, but we're not there yet. So, uh, but you there's plenty let me just say this there's plenty of shows for you to listen
0: love it so much well blake uh we just want to say thank you so much for giving us your time we know that you are a very busy man and we we love our chats because we know we're going to get some good chats and quality stuff with you it's so much fun gentlemen it's
2: always a pleasure i love riding in the back seat of this car um <laughs> and uh um, knowing that I don't have to do any work except turn up and have fun and chat about movies. So thank you guys. You're the best and I appreciate it again. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a thrill to chat to you. And good luck with the late Burton. I can't wait to check in and see how you guys are going. <laughs> oh, got me nervous, man.
0: You've got oh, man, nervous. It's going to be fun. So Craig, before we wrap things up, where can people find us? Oh, you
1: can go on to um, Twitter or on Instagram at FFT or Podcast. Love it. Um, or you can go on to Facebook for First to Last Podcast. Go on there, um, do some commenting, you know, just all the stuff. Or if you want to email us, if you're more direct, info at Podcast.com or if you a hacker, we're at www.fftopodcast.com
3: <laughs> I
0: love it also as we say every week please subscribe give us a like a review all those things thanks to my uh, lovely students at school this week who told me they were dropping some one star reviews for me this week I love you all <laughs> serious uh, yeah they're cheeky little monkeys crack they're cheeky monkeys no but <laughs> I love them I love them they've been listening so hey oh, props, to, day, you yeah, yeah, yeah. props hey, to you guys props to you guys bless them don't, well don't pay any attention to craig swearing um and oh, yeah, if no, you if don't. you if you love a good coffee out there guys check out gleecoffee.com.au gleecoffeeroasters.com.au oh, yeah. use yeah. the code fftl at the cart you're gonna get some discounts their spring range has dropped and it is delightful craig so check things out uh, next week craig what
1: are we talking we are talking i've oh, forgotten
0: it's a musical Danny Elfman shines. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. We're going to tangent off Tim Burton. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, as a producer, yeah, yeah. yeah as a producer, good, it's good. a, it's a, it's. This is his baby. He has <laughs> grown and
2: birthed this bad boy. Before you leave, yes. yes, The Nike Air Trainer
1: threes were the base shoe. Oh, I love it, boy. Like, and now the black, oh, I, the black with the red. Um, the red air jaw is on the side.
2: I'll 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 have to send you guys a link. I'm going to investigate whether you can get these shoes. Love I, it. I, did I, I they have so.
1: holes? Did they have holes around the ankle? <laughs> Craig, if you no. know
0: these shoes off by heart, that's bungle. No, no, because no, 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 Frank no. had them.
2: They've got they've got the they've got the straps around the side, so there are like hole cutouts in the straps on the front and the back. Oh, um, I love but Yeah, it. I'm going to see if Ooh, I because Frank had see. a black pair. So
1: there's hey.
2: like, you know. We sneakerheads have got our way, so I'm just going to go suss out whether there are some black ones kicking around and seeing if there are actually any that you can purchase. But uh, Nike... Air Trainer 3's like I love threes. it Do you think
0: there's a group Out there of uh, Fans of the Robert Redford Dan Aykroyd And uh, River Phoenix film call, uh, That call Sneakers. themselves sneakerheads? Do you think there's
2: a <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm one of them <laughs> yeah, Sneakers me too, like, like me. Sneakers <laughs> head 100% 100% I love that movie that is, so, that much. so much I love that movie Phil Alden yeah. Robinson Phil Arden Robinson Another guy If you guys want to do A short series He hasn't directed Many films Wrote a stack of films But Field of Dreams and sneakers on the oh, same ticket. So, what a banger. Um, you guys might have that as well.
0: Love it so much. Thanks so much, Blake. Uh, we can't wait to chat to you again sometime soon. It would be so great. And, Craig, from all of us here from First to Last Podcast, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Craig Killian. We'll catch you next week. See you, guys.
2: Yeah, as a producer, yeah, yeah. yeah as a producer, good, it's good. a, it's a,
0: it's. This is his baby. He has grown and birthed this bad boy.
2: Before you leave, yes, yes. The Nike Air Trainer threes
1: were the base shoe. Oh, I love it, And now the black, oh, I, the black with the red. Um, the red Air jaw is on the side. I'll 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 have to send you guys
2: a link. I'm going to investigate whether you can get these shoes. Love I, it. I, Did I they have so.
1: holes? Did they have holes around the ankle? <laughs> Craig, if you no. know
2: these shoes off by heart, that's bung. No, no, because no, no, Frank no. had them. They've got they've got the they've got the straps around the sides. So there are like hole cutouts in the straps on the front and the back. Oh, um, I love but yeah. It. I'm going to see if Ooh, I. because Frank had see. a black pair. So there's hey. like, you know. We sneakerheads have got our way, so I'm just going to go suss out whether there are some black ones kicking around and seeing if there are actually any that you can purchase. But uh, Nike Air Trainer 3s Nike are the one. I love 3's. it. Do you
0: think there's a group out there of uh, fans of the Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, and uh, River Phoenix film call, that call Sneakers. themselves sneakerheads? Do you think there's a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm one of them yeah, Sneaker's me too, Like me. Sneaker's head 100% 100% I love
2: that movie that is, so that much I love movie. that movie that great movie so Phil Alden Robinson Phil Alden Robinson another guy if you guys want to do a short series he hasn't directed many films wrote a stack of films but Field of Dreams and Sneakers on the oh, same ticket so what a banger um, you guys might have that as well
0: love it so much Thanks so much, Blake. Uh, we can't wait to chat again sometime soon. It would be so great. And, Craig, from all of us here for First to Last Podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. We'll catch you next week. See you, guys.